I just wanted to share a couple of things with you that kind of show what our households should not be like, and yet they're funny because there's so much truth to them. First of all, this guy said the last fight that we had was my fault. My wife asked what's on the TV, and I said dust. Uh, here's another. And see, it's funny because it hits on truth, doesn't it? Okay, a married man left from work early one Friday afternoon. Instead of going home, however, he squandered the weekend and his paycheck partying with the boys. When he finally returned home on Sunday night, he ran into a barrage of epithets from his wife. After a couple of hours of nagging and berating, his wife asked, how would you like it if you didn't see me for a couple of days? That would suit me just fine, the man said. Monday went by and the man didn't see his wife. Tuesday went by with the same result. Wednesday went by and he still didn't see her. Thursday, the swelling went down a bit and he could see her uh, just a little out of the corner of his left eye. Well, the thing is, those are funny, but one of the reasons why they're funny is because they hit so close to home. Now, you know, I want to share with you that God wants our homes to be the place where all of the stuff we learn about him and our relationship with him starts. It doesn't start here in church on Sunday morning. It starts every morning when we get up and it goes on all through the day till we get up the next morning. That is the proving ground of our faith. Because if we are not practicing what he preached in our homes, then we can't say Jesus is Lord. You may want to say he's Savior, and you can't say he's Savior and not call him Lord. So this is so important. This is why I call these foundations, and uh, because they are basic. And this is the proving ground. The proving ground of our faith is how we conduct ourselves with our family and those that are closest to us. Uh, there are several reasons why marriages fail today. Most marriages, I, I would say that one of the main reasons why is because most marriages today, from my observation, are based on being happy instead of being blessed. I have people come in all the time that uh, uh, you know, for marriage counseling, their problem is he or she just doesn't make me happy anymore, you know, or I just don't love them anymore. They just don't make me happy. And, uh, and they, they think that, that that's what marriage is all about, is being happy. Well, um, let's see, who was it that said that uh, in Hollywood, all the marriages are happy? It's the days that follow or the, the wedding that gives so much trouble. That's where the trouble begins. 
And that is true. That is so true. You see, happy or happiness comes from the old English word hap. And so hap, happy, happiness, they're all related to the word happened. Happiness is a happening. It is a, uh, an attitude of joy or exhilaration produced by an outside and external event. Happiness is the product of circumstance. It results from an external cause. And by its very nature, it cannot be enduring. It can't go on all the time because life's circumstances do not continually produce happy moments. Jesus' promise of blessing embraces you in both good and bad circumstances. And so you need to understand what blessed really means. In some translations of the Bible today, they take the Greek word in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed, and and translate it happy. There is a big difference between being blessed and being happy. To be blessed is to receive God's approval in your life. An approval that comes not because you deserve it, not because you are perfect, but because he loves you. And this approval of God in turn creates a deep and abiding satisfaction and joy in our own lives. And this joy wonderfully is independent from outward circumstances. It is a joy that is always with us in sorrow, in pain, in loss, in grief, in youth, middle age or old age. Nothing can drive this joy, this peace away. Everything is powerless to touch it. I can remember sitting with a family one time who's the 21-year-old son who was working for his dad had been driving a, a tank truck that went out of control and his son died. And I was sitting with the family and the, the father turned to me and he said, Joel, I just want to know one thing. And I said, what's that? And so, you know, it hurts. It really, really hurts. But what I want to know is how do people even get through something like this without the Lord? In the midst of the most grievous pain in his life, he could sense the Lord's presence with him, strengthening him, undergirding him, helping him through the deepest pain he had ever experienced. God's clear will for your life is that you be blessed. It's the first word of our Lord in his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. God has a great attitude toward us, and he wants us to live our days continually experiencing his presence, a satisfaction that comes because we know God approves and God is with us. Jesus has a lifestyle that he has called us to enter. And he's calling people every day to enter into it. 
The good news is that maybe you haven't entered into it yet. And I'm going to talk a little bit about things that can keep you from that in just a moment. But the good news is today you can begin. Every day is a day that you can start living a blessed life. Another reason why marriages fail is because the husband or the wife are both living out of roles instead of out of a relationship. I've had couples come in where the husband is there because his wife has said, been saying, there's just something wrong. There's something wrong. And I want us to go to the preacher and maybe he can help us get it right. And so the guy will sit there in front of me and he'll ask her, he said, just what is it? Just give me a list. Give me a list. And the thing is, she's what she's wanting is a relationship. And you can't make a list of things you can check off and then go back to the way things were and have a relationship. And so just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you, you know, but uh, that's just it. It doesn't work like that. And what has happened is he has been being the best father, the best husband, the best everything that he knows how to be because he is living out of a role that has been given him by our society. A man brings home the bacon. And uh, a man does this, and a man in our society does that. A man is this way, a man is that way. And he has all those things down, and he has them living in the best part of town. He has them living in the right kind of house. He has them uh, with their 2.3 kids and the right car in the garage. You know, everything is exactly the way that it's supposed to be on the outside because he's been following the formula that has been laid before him. And yet something's wrong because he hasn't been listening to his wife. He's been listening to the world and letting the world inform him of how he ought to be. That's one role. A woman can be trying to be the best wife that she knows how to be. She can uh, uh, come home from work and clean and cook and uh, do all these things. And then uh, by the time uh, she gets everything over and she's tried to be the best wife that she knows how to be, she's just so tired that all she wants to do is go to bed so she can get up in the morning and start all this over again. And her husband wishes that she wouldn't do so much cooking and cleaning and he'd rather have some time to cuddle but she doesn't have time to really listen to him because she's busy being a good wife and so we can live out our roles and never listen to each other and never find out what the roles should be in our own marriage this is a a reason why i think most marriages that begin with cohabitation fail. And that's because whenever you're just living together, you don't have a model for that. You've got two individuals, the labor is divided, you negotiate on what's going to be done and who's going to do what. And uh, so you're like two buddies living together 
uh, like roommates and uh, you work things out according to the way that's comfortable to you too. Well, that's the way people living together are. But then when they get married, all of a sudden that piece of paper gives them a role, you see. All of a sudden, they aren't just a buddy. They aren't just a lover or whatever. All of a sudden, they're a husband and a wife. And that has been modeled for them. They have been given prescriptions from the world or from their own households as to what a wife should be like, what a husband should be like. And so all the negotiating and all of the equality is ignored because there are job descriptions provided for husbands and wives. I know of a couple that whenever uh, they got married, they just didn't realize how diverse their backgrounds were. In uh, her household, where she grew up, her dad kept an immaculate yard. He tended to it. In his household, Moms either uh, got the yard work done, they hired it done or whatever, or uh, they got the kids to do it. And so he grew up with yard work being uh, his punishment for being a kid, and he couldn't wait till he grew up and he didn't have to mess with yard work anymore. So whenever his wife would inform him that the yard needed mowing, he'd agree with her. And go on about his business because that was her job. Make sure that got taken care of. Well, uh, guess what? The grass just kept on growing. And uh, so then he would get out angry because his wife had done her job and their yard was an embarrassment to the neighbors. And, and it was like bailing hay with a lawnmower. And, uh, but the, you see, the thing is, it's because... They didn't really determine whose job it really was. They both assumed that the other person knew it was their job. Same with trash. In his household, moms or maids took out the trash. In her household, dads took out the garbage. So whenever she would say, you know, that garbage really needs to be taken out, he'd agree, go on about his business. And the garbage would just sit there and stink until one of them took out the garbage, angry at the other because they didn't do their job. Well, the thing is, they were just, they were looking at a model that they had brought with them into the marriage instead of just looking at each other and loving each other and working things out. So uh, anyway... Another thing that comes from cohabitating is that people who live together before they marry have never had the right attitude toward the sanctity of marriage in the first place. But let me tell you this, there is good news, like I said at the beginning, that even if you started out like that, you can repent and you can get on track with the Lord and his will in your life now and from this day forward. Uh, now then, how does God want your marriage to look? We've talked a lot about how things shouldn't be. First, it says in Ephesians 5, 1 through 10, right at the very end, 
He talks about us. Well, in the whole thing, we, he talks about us uh, being imitators of God as beloved children, imitators of God. We should be imitating our heavenly father and walk in love. And then at the end, he says, trying to learn what is pleasing to God. So first of all, walk in love, desire good for that other person instead of just expecting or trying to get from that other person. Walk in love, desiring good from them. There's so many times that we're told to love other people. Jesus uh, in John 13, 30, beginning with verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another, if you want good for each other, and let that show in what you're doing to, for each other. In John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. John 15, 17, this I command you, that you love one another. And see, he's not talking just to husbands and wives in these. He's talking to his followers and their relationship to those around them, whatever that relationship might be. Well, number one, walk in love. Number two, put away your idols. Now, what's an idol? An idol is the thing you worship most. The thing that you would set aside your relationship with God for. And uh, it's amazing. Many times somebody can worship their spouse and care more for their spouse than they do for God. And they will do things that they really know God wouldn't want them to do because of their spouse. Also, children. Sometimes people will go against what they know is God's will for their children. Men will lie, steal, uh, do all sorts of things to provide for their children whenever there are other ways that they're supposed to be providing for their children. Approval of others. Some people will do anything and say anything to get other people's approval. They will lie to get other people's approval. I remembered a guy from my childhood the other day, something uh, had come up about uh, presidents and uh, how uh, things have changed and how people speak about presidents and things. And there was a kid, I, before we started to school, he could tell the most outlandish tales. I mean, he'd talk about how he shot an Indian the other day with the gun his daddy gave him. I mean, he'd just tell all sorts of things that were just beyond the scope of reality. And he'd just say, it was, yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't lie to you. No. I mean, a little kid, and he kept on up into grade school. He, he was fun to listen to, but you couldn't believe a word he said. Well, he pulled this on the wrong person in the wrong way. He was, I heard that he was hitchhiking down the road. He was out of school then. We were out of school. I can't remember how old we were, but um, 
What happened was that Lyndon Baines Johnson was the president at the time. And he told this guy that picked him up while he was hitchhiking that he was a part of a special organization, a secret organization that was plotting to kill the president. Well, what happened was a secret service came to visit him and uh, he wound up spending time in a mental institution. So, I mean, the thing is, you see, it's just uh, uh, one of these things where he just lied to impress people over and over again. He would lie. And there are people that will do that for the approval of others. And it says so many times in scriptures that liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. So put away your idols, be it spouse, children, approval of others, pride in households. This could be such a big one. There's so many people that cannot ever be wrong. You ever know anybody like that? That they can't just can't be wrong? I can cast no stones because I'm still trying to get out of that myself. Uh, but I have learned because you see, there have been so many times that I have in church settings that I have found myself being attacked by people uh, who are just listening to every word that I say, trying to misconstrue it uh, because they just don't like the word of God and they take it out on me and they will say horrible things about me. And I have learned that instead of just getting upset, I need to ask myself something. Is it the truth? Because if it's true, it doesn't make any difference what the source is or what spirit they provided that truth in. If it's the truth, I need to heed it and I need to do something about it if it's wrong. But the thing is, I have learned all the way up and down in all things, it's okay to be wrong. And it's okay to admit that you're wrong. And, uh, the thing is, is that you can enjoy life a whole lot more when you recognize that, yeah, you just like everybody else do make mistakes and sometimes you can be wrong. And whenever you realize that, your life can get a whole lot better. And the lives, I hate to say this, the people around you can get a whole lot better too. So that's another thing. Our pride can destroy us and it can destroy our relationships. Stuff and things can be put above God and put above everything that he wants us to do. Power, prestige, status, pleasure. There's so many things that can be idols. And if you want to have a good marriage, the both of you together need to put aside your idols. You remember a while back we talked about uh, uh, the being built on the rock and whether your foundation is a rock or whether your foundation is sand. Another thing that can destroy a marriage is where one person is trying to live with their foundation on the rock and the other is built, trying to build their house with their foundation on sand. And you have this constant conflict and turmoil as one is trying to live one way and the other is trying to pull them the other. How can that house stand? They're on different foundations. 
And I've known of houses. In fact, we've lived in a house or two that have both uh, pier and beam and uh, slab foundations. Interesting things can happen there. But uh, the thing is that uh, that's the thing. So anyway, number one, walk in love instead of just trying to get from that other person or trying to make that other person be who and what you want them to be. I've shared this with you before, but I'll share it again. Many times when I'm counseling with people uh, when they're getting ready to get married, I give them a sheet of paper and I say, I want you to write on this sheet of paper what you would put down. If you could, if you could change anything in the world about that person sitting next to you, what would it be? Some of them have quite a list. Usually the women do. Drink it because it's more chewy. Just go down the list. Sometimes the guys have a pretty good makeover list too, though. Let's face it. And then I ask them, okay, now, I want you to look at that person and look at that list. And I want you to ask yourself if nothing on this list ever came about, could you live with this person happily the rest of your life without any of those things coming about? If the answer is no, don't get married because you're not marrying that person. You're marrying who you hope you can help them to be. And there are a lot of marriages that wind up getting really, really rough when the, one of the people in the marriage is a rescuer that married the other person, knowing that all they need is a good woman to straighten them out. All they need is a good guy to help them get back on track, you know. And so they married a bad gal, they marry a bad guy, and it's not going to last because... Most people don't like to be manipulated. And what they're going to feel after a while is conditional love. They're going to feel someone that rewards them when they do what they ought, what the other person thinks they should do, but withhold love or affection from them if they're not getting what they want from them instead of unconditional love. And so I tell those people, if you cannot be happy with this person, if nothing on this list comes about, then don't marry because you're marrying a dream and those kind of dreams do not come true. You will change each other, but it's not going to be because you have a list. You'll change each other just from being with each other, either for good or for ill. And let me tell you, you'll change each other for the better a whole lot quicker by loving them than by trying to make them over. Okay, so uh, anyway, walk in love, put away your idols, live a holy life, live a God-pleasing life. And you, first of all, you know, deep down, God has put his law within you. You know, those times when you're getting ready to do something that you feel you shouldn't do. That's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Well, but then there, he's put his law in our hearts, but then also he's given you his word and anything that he has for you uh, that's going to be pleasing to him is not going to go against his word. I have known of women telling their pastors that uh, they know that it's wrong that they are having an affair with a married man, but he makes me happy. And God, I know he wants me to be happy. So this is okay with God. 
because this affair makes me happy. See, it's not about being happy. It's about being blessed. Do you see the difference? Okay. Well, live a holy life, endeavoring to please God, understanding what is pleasing to God. Don't make up your own rules as to what pleases God, like this woman did. I know so many people that think that God just wants me to make other people happy. He doesn't want you to, he wants you to bless them. That's what he wants you to do, the people in your life. And it's going to come out of holiness, not out of any other sort of life. Lastly, understand how God wants you to relate to your spouse. And we talked about that last week. So I'm not going to go through that again, uh, except real, very quickly, very shortly. In Ephesians 5, at the very end, uh, he has gone through all these things. You know, it starts out uh, with God telling uh, the wife what she needs to do. And then it goes from there nearly all the way through to the end, talking about what the guy should do. And there's so much more that the guy is told to do than the gal is told to do. But be that as it may, he concludes by summing it all up by saying, nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his wife even as himself. You remember the wheel I showed you last week? It had equality in the middle. Men, if you're loving your wives as yourselves, then you're going to be looking on them as of equal value and having equal say. It's uh, there that you're a part of a team. And so uh, then he goes on, he talks about how for no one ever uh, uh, hurts or deprives his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it. We talked about that last week. So uh, anyway... Uh, so each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. We talked about how uh, one of the things that men, it just doesn't come natural to them to love the way that they're supposed to, as Christ loved the church, to love their wives sacrificially and to give themselves up. They want to be bosses. They want to take this same passage where he tells them to live your life sacrificially for your wife. They want to take that and turn it around and say, I'm the boss around here. And that's not what it's saying at all. It says, yeah, the responsibility for spiritual leadership, for leadership is on you, but you treat your wife just like you would treat yourself. Okay, so, but I really like the way that the Amplified Bible reads. If you, never, if you don't have an Amplified Bible, there, it's a great way to get all the different nuances. You don't have to buy one anymore. You go online, it's online. This is the same passage, I'll repeat it, Ephesians 5.33. Uh, this is the way it is in the New American Standard Version. Nevertheless, let each individual among you uh, also love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Now then, this is Amplified Version. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she, this is why I like this version better, respects 
and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors and prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Don't men, don't you like that translation better? There's a lot tied up in that word that just translated respect, you see. Well, but the point is, and the message is, that we're supposed to be exploring each other every day, not taking each other for granted. Because, and I've also seen people that have uh, figured out their spouse. And this is where you can really get in trouble. And Sharon and I are having to work on this now because both of us have hearing losses and they're not getting better. And so I'm afraid we're going to wind up like uh, uh, Uncle Bill and Aunt Pee Wee did. Who, uh, this is her uncle and aunt that came to uh, uh, be with us. They stayed with us when they, were, they came for uh, Sharon's father's uh, funeral. And uh, we took them out to dinner. And it's a Mexican place. They've got the food there on the table. And Aunt Pee Wee, she said, you want hot sauce on your food, Bill? And he said, no, Cornelia, I don't think that I do. And so she took the hot sauce and she took a spoon and she dolloped hot sauce on just about everything on Bill's plate. I was sitting there thinking, this is the meanest woman in the world. She found out exactly what he did not want and made sure he got it. Man, I expected him. I mean, Sharon will tell you, I'm passionate about my food. Sad to say. I can almost cry about food sometimes. But anyway, I expected him to just take that plate and just go, you know, I mean, because she had ruined everything on his plate. And he just watched her dollop the hot sauce on her food. Nothing happened. Picked up his knife and fork, and he ate. This is just amazing. Well, when the meal was over, Aunt Pee Wee said, was it hot enough for you, Bill? And that's whenever I expected an explosion. Yes, it was hot. I didn't want hot. But instead, he just said, yes, Cornelia, I think that it was. And uh, that was it. I thought she is so mean. But then you know what? It dawned on me later. She was really a loving wife. She knew that Bill loved hot sauce. And so she wanted to bless him. The thing is, she obviously couldn't hear too well. I don't know if Bill was having digestive problems or something that day or what, but she didn't listen to what he said. She just gave him what she thought he needed, but she was trying to bless him with it, but she was trying to bless him with the wrong thing. And there's so many times that we can do that to our spouses, have the best of intentions And it could be that one of the things that happens is through the years, preferences change, tastes change. And if we've got this guy figured out or this gal figured out and we're going on a past reference instead of checking with them in the present, 
We can cram something down somebody's throat that we are sure that they want when they may have moved beyond that. And so you must constantly be checking in with each other. And the thing is, that's the way it should be with God as well. He never changes. But as our preferences and our circumstances change, things change around us. We need to be checking in with him as to how we handle things the way they are now, not the way things were. Let's pray. Oh God, as we bow before you, we acknowledge that you have made it clear to us that all the things that we read about in the Bible that show how you want us to live and what you expect from us, that all these things are supposed to be practiced in our homes. If we have been doing so, thank you. Thank you. For we know what it's like to be blessed. If our homes have not been being lived in the way that you would want them to be lived, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would begin to guide us now to be a blessing to you and to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.